trace accurately certain dark areas. This is coming from someplace else, and Giger is, you know, just the guy that this other world is kind of introducing themselves to us. Er fühlt sich im Unheimlichen zu Hause. Das, was wir alle fliehen, ist sein Zuhause. Es ist alles anders mit dem Normalen. Das ist, was ich nenne, Hans Röhrli, ein Visionär. are listening to the Horrible Imaginings podcast, where we understand the misunderstood and destigmatize the stigmatized. Your hosts today are Miguel Rodriguez and Angela Englert. Hello, listeners of the Horrible Imaginings podcast, and thank you for joining us again. We have a bit of an impromptu episode for you today. As many of you know, yesterday marked the one-year exactly anniversary of the passing of the great surrealist artist H.R. Giger. And coming to theaters very soon, starting this weekend in, a, in select theaters across the nation, is a new documentary called Dark Star, H.R. Giger's World. And this is going to be something you're going to want to look out for if you are a fan of Giger. And even if you are not, I think it's worth a look. Angela and I had the chance to catch the film in advance. And so we decided in memory of Mr. Giger and really to preserve his legacy, we decided to throw an episode all about this new documentary. Hi, Angela. Hey, Miguel. How you doing? Good. How are you? I'm very well. And I'm very excited about this documentary we had a chance to see is pretty good what'd you think i really liked it let's talk about really like what path they decided to take because when you're going to do a documentary about an artist or really about any creator you can talk about their art you can talk about the history you could talk about what they're thinking what exactly is dark star hr giger's world all about i think the central idea is a celebration of hr giger as an artist and as we were talking about while we were watching it, he is treated with a good amount of reverence. It goes through his career somewhat in a chronological order, hitting the highlights. It never really delves too much into any one period of his life or aspect of his work, but it does have a nice uh, construction where it takes you through parts of his biography and then has sort of interludes with lots of displays of his work, um, shots of him working, and it all kind of comes together to create this nice naturalistic portrait of a working artist. What I think is interesting about this documentary is it's like, what if you wanted to get to know Giger as a person, only you're just meeting him now. You're a visitor, you go to his house, you hang out, you sit down and have some dinners, and you talk with people, himself and his friends and his family. And, and the documentary seems like it is, the camera is the visitor. 
and it is putting together the pieces of who this person is through this frankly brief visit um, and interviews with friends and family. And I think your word naturalistic really kind of strikes the mark there. It's a very naturalistic documentary. It's almost like a document of a visit with a man and his friends. There is a nice sense of being admitted into his inner circle. That's quite sweet, really. Yeah, sweet is <laughs> sweet. You know, sweet is a is a pretty apt term. The way they presented Giger and the way they presented the world around him, both externally and internally, and I think uh, we should talk about that when we break into the visual and audio aesthetics of the documentary. But mostly, the documentary talks to all these people who really adore this man from various walks of his life, and so you definitely get a sense of the opinions being skewed to the love. You know, it's a very reverential documentary, as you said, and and that's not lost on the viewer. But in the moments where we're with Giger himself, it's very easy to see where that reverence comes from. Absolutely. And most, if not, well, I think there were a few clips called from, earlier in his career, mm -hmm. like most of the on-camera interviews with Giger himself are from this, from the time of filming, which was very close upon, yeah, it was, it was very close upon his death, early 2014. So he is in the twilight of his life and he seems quite at peace with that and peace with his surroundings, but you are seeing a somewhat fragile man Mm -hmm. He's created this astounding body of work. And I think that that also makes you naturally want to uh, cleave to him a little bit. I agree with that. And in fact, on that note, I think it's pretty apt here if I go ahead and read a passage or an excerpt from the director's statement. The director of the documentary, by the way, her name is Belinda Salin. And from her statement after meeting H.R. Giger, it was this first meeting that solidified my interest in making the film. As I entered his house, I was completely overwhelmed by impressions. As a journalist and filmmaker, I'd seen many different kinds of houses and flats, but I'd never in my life seen anything so unusual. Crossing the threshold was like entering another world. It was like I had entered one of H.R. Giger's works of art, dark and threatening. I took a seat at Harkonnen Capo chair, and I was surrounded by Giger images, Giger figures, and Giger objects. I hardly dared blink for fear of missing out on the incredible richness of detail. Despite the strange forms, the shrunken heads and skulls, I felt completely at ease. This was surely due to my host. H.R. Giger was friendly, polite, and welcoming. At first, the artist didn't really seem to fit with his art, and vice versa— the image I had of him as an unapproachable artist with a dark nature flew right out the window as he offered me apple pie and coffee and as we chatted about the weather. It wasn't what I had been expecting. On the contrary, it was more interesting, more surprising. By that time, at the very latest, the film about H.R. Giger began to form in my head. So right away, I get two things from this. <laughs> mm -hmm. The first is the expectations that an audience has about an artist based upon his or her art. And the second is that little excerpt I just read. The filmmaker very painstakingly tries to recreate in the first few seconds of the documentary. Yes. So absolutely. Let's talk about that. <laughs> let's talk about those okay. first few seconds of the documentary. 
it, it was quite striking. You know, you're, you come in, there's, I, I mean, I love the sound design throughout this entire thing. She makes great choices. But when it begins, there's nothing, there's no sound. There's just natural sound on the tape. The natural sound of feet uh, walking through, uh, you know, leaves and that sort of crunchy sound as you're led up through this pastoral outdoorsy area into Giger's house, which, you know, it, as she describes, it is that it does have that strange juxtaposition of you're being absolutely surrounded by his works of art everywhere and yet it's extremely homey it's very very crowded it has you know that sort of claustrophobic look of a really old overstocked bookstore um <laughs> it, there are lots of bookstores like that in new orleans you know where yeah they do not have a upc pricing system at all you can see giger sitting there and you can hear his breath <laughs> And, you know, he is he is very approachable. He's unintimidating. He's his feet are bare. Yes. <laughs> and it's oddly, you know, like just coming into grandpa's house. Oddly, but also it's this weird blend of the I think you use the word pastoral, which is a good word, a uh, good word to put the exterior or, you know, the opening shots around the house or just a very everyday looking peaceful house but as soon as the door opens and and the sound design changes to give it a more kind of surreal quality as soon as the door opens you're met with artwork mm -hmm. eager artwork and this is what i thought of if anyone's ever read the dark tower series stephen king's dark tower series in the second book the drawing of the three the character roland is on a beach and there are three doorways on yeah. the beach. And, uh, you know, it's surrounded by the beach. But when a doorway opens, it opens to another world. And you can see the other world through the doorway. And that's what it kind of felt like in the uh, in the documentary. I completely get that. I agree with that. What it made me think of was an Ikea showroom. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> but... <laughs> And I'm ashamed that I didn't make the connection that you made, perhaps. But it does. I mean, it's a very, um, it's a very European living space. It's it's quite small compared to what we are used to. Plus, it's there's an embarrassment of riches in terms of you know his portfolio is everywhere. Plus, books are piled everywhere, and you know, it is very human and messy and organic, and worn surfaces and chipped china and all of that everyday texture of living juxtaposed with biomechanoid masterpieces the opening shots sort of uh foreshadow the tone throughout the entire thing because you know this this juxtaposition is going to keep vacillating throughout the whole thing right the the the, the I, one could almost say mundane juxtaposed over his very otherworldly creations. I, I'm just thinking now of all the wonderfully human moments throughout the documentary. It doesn't ever really go into a great deal of depth into even his ordinary life, but I think the glimpses that you get are vivid ones that will stay with you. Exactly, and I think I, I think that opening shot of the camera going from 
exterior to interior, going through the doorway, is really critical and kind of brilliant on the part of the of uh, Miss Sullen, the the director. You're right; it's not a in depth, plumb the psychosis look at H.R. Giger. It, it really is like we are invited into his home to spend some time with the man and get to and, know him the way we would if we were, if anyone were a respected visitor. And, you know, I think that's also one of the strengths of the documentary because it makes it extremely accessible. And so you don't need to come into this with a lot of preconceptions or even a lot of interest, like you said, in Giger's work. It's fully engaging just as a piece of work on its own. Right, exactly. And I would hope, actually, that curious people who are interested in the art world or or anyone who uh, may have some preconceived notions about Giger based on what they immediately feel from his artwork are the ones I hope go to see this even more than his fans. His fans are... It's a bit preaching to the choir, and they're they're almost going to guaranteed love this documentary. And I don't, you know, we want people to go see the documentary. We're not going to, you know, talk about it too in depth. But one thing that does come about is is the other thesis from from that little director's statement, which is people have these preconceived notions about who this man is, and it you may find yourself surprised. I expect that surprise is uh, an emotion that this will provoke in a lot of people. Um, you know, I remember the first time I saw Giger's work, and I was immediately struck by what seemed to be a great hostility to the female form and biology. And that doesn't really, that doesn't speak to who he was or what he was doing. That was just sort of a gut reaction. And his work is meant to provoke in this way. So I think it might be good if this is playing at your local cinema or museum, art museum, to go see it. Take your take your friends, take your mom. Teachers, um, take your art classes. Yeah, absolutely. Well, because... And also, you know, it doesn't go into great depth with his methods or anything, but it, you do get to see him working, and that's amazing in and of itself. Yeah, you, you get to see him working on paintings as well as on sets. Scenes from sets on Alien are just so cool to watch. It's true. And you don't, or I didn't, I never thought of the hands-on work, uh, having him playing with the xenomorphs, uh, teeth and things like that it's and doesn't it, he look so like at home and joyful while he's doing that and yeah and so focused and it's uh, it's a beautiful thing it's wonderful to watch you know someone who's so good at what they do do what they're good at <laughs> that's true there there's a power in that there, there's a power in seeing someone in their element that i think will translate across the screen uh you mentioned you your first discovery of Giger as an artist. Do you remember what that was? I believe it was an art book that I had come across um, when I was in high school, probably when I was a freshman in high school. And, you know, at that point I had seen Alien, but I had no consciousness of him as an artist or right. um, an idea that that was his design. Although, you know, those connections... Uh, established themselves pretty quick after that. I remember being fascinated by it, much like we were talking about in our Clive Barker podcast. There's a lot of repulsion in the glamour, and that's part of why it works, and that's part of why it's good for us, and 
It's very Apparently. Clive Barker, you know, or uh, you, you, we would probably be more accurate to say Clive Barker is very H.R. Giger yeah, <laughs> in that aspect of, of this really successful blending of of repulsion and attraction. And I did not realize before watching this that he had begun doing his work as a way of, as a therapy for himself. Yeah. I didn't know that. And that puts a nice um, extra context on it. I did like that, like I said, the documentary really stands on its own. It's very watchable. It's it's great. But for all of the human aspects and the context of visiting with him and his inner circle, and you do get to see a lot of his work. And I never felt that the two, either of those aspects were overpowering the other. There's a yeah, good the balance. balance. Mm-hmm. It's true. And this documentary does some things that I think a lot of documentaries tend to do too much. But for some reason in this documentary, it feels just right. And that is, it lets the camera linger. Mm-hmm. It lets the camera contemplate when it's on Giger's artwork. Mm-hmm. Or when it's on or focusing on Giger in this almost meditative state in one of the rooms he's created. It will just let the scene play out for a little while with no dialogue, no words, and just let you absorb. <laughs> and I really appreciated that. Even when it's something quiet like that, I, I never felt an impulse to check my phone. <laughs> exactly. No, because you're riveted by the artwork. You know, it is almost like a real appreciation for the for the output of this man, because it, it, it films the artwork in, in such a way that, you know, it's not like a group of students went to the art museum and took pictures with their cell phones. Like there is a, a way the artwork is presented that draws the viewer in. And I think that was very successful. Yeah, I agree. I noticed that particularly when it was breaking down or not really breaking down, but when it was showing some of the larger pieces, it was scanning through and and offering the detail focuses. And and I think they made really good choices for the length of the interludes, the music Mm -hmm. um, that was playing during those. And it was just, it was lovely. While we may say that it's reverential, it's not... You know, it's not going to be filmed through a layer of Vaseline reverential or anything. I mean, <laughs> you 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 will you will see his chest hair and his nose hair. Um, you will see his ex-wife talk about him frankly, yes. <laughs> but still with great love and so the bonds of a decades-long friendship, but still very frankly. <laughs> Um, so, you know, it's reverential for the work and it's reverential for his abilities as an artist and his history. And obviously the people that the documentary focuses on talking to about him, these are people that all love him very much, but they're also people that live with him every day. (laughs) So, I mean, you, you get a really, uh, authentic texture of his life and to be quite honest i wasn't personally too surprised at how warm he turned out to be to the people around him but my impression of giger being a giger fan myself is that he's always had kind of a at least projected a colder image he's not seen smiling very often in his photographs for example but you you do get to see him smile in this documentary quite a bit and you get to see him reminisce and you get to see him feel 
sadness at some of his recollections as well without giving too much away all i really want to say is that the the numbers and the types of emotions that come out of giger himself over the courses of the interviews in this documentary they get pretty rich and and you get more than than i was expecting to get yeah there are some sections that are powerfully affecting and i personally found watching him in sort of the winter of his life affecting as well particularly because you did get to see footage of him from the 70s and the 80s where, you know, he's he's the image that you have in your head, probably. Yeah. And, you know, here he is and he's needing help moving around and that sort of thing. And he does have difficulty speaking. Yes. It's interesting also to get the different views of his artwork. So you you get to hear different people have different reactions to his art over the years, including his wife's mother and her reactions to the art, what his own mother and how close he was with his mother and her reactions to it. Well, I want to watch it again. I want to go out and support it. I want to actually with, yeah, with my dollars. In closing, let's let's go ahead. We don't want to give too much away because we want people to go see this thing. Do you have any final words about your experience watching this documentary? I think I'm really glad that I saw it. I'm going to go see it. I am going to go to a theater and pay to see it after having seen it because this is exactly the sort of art that I think needs to be financially voted for. So I'm going to vote for it with my dollars. I recommend that other people do. This is a great documentary. And, you know, we've said this over and over. Whether you're a Giger fan, whether you're not, I think it, if you have any sort of interest in the artistic mind, the artistic process, anything like that, this is going to be really rapturous for you. Yes, I think if you're a Giger fan, you're guaranteed a really solid and frankly, emotional 95 minutes of your time. You're going to want to go to the Giger bar when you finish watching this. So oh, warm, yeah. <laughs> we're going. Yes, going. <laughs> we're saving our dollars. We're doing a Horrible Imaginings podcast field trip to the Giger Bar at some point in the near future. I promise all <laughs> of you that. If you had an appreciation, your appreciation will multiply after this documentary. And if you had no appreciation or were perhaps horrified by Giger's artwork, then maybe, maybe you might come away from this with your expectations tested. And I hope that happens, too. At this point, I will just say this is opening theatrically at a very limited run. But it is opening theatrically in the U.S. and Canada in over 30 cities starting this weekend. So that's why Angela and I decided to kind of throw this podcast together, you know, very quickly. Uh, because we wanted to get this out there so you, you know it's coming. Starting this Friday on the 15th. People in New York, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Berkeley, California, Providence, Rhode Island. Those cities will all get theatricals in New York at Landmark Sunshine, L.A. at Landmark New Art, San Francisco at Landmark Opera Plaza, Berkeley, California at Landmark Shattuck, and Providence, Rhode Island at Cable Car Cinema. Starting on May 22nd, uh, another group of cities will be getting the documentary, Long Beach, California at Frida Cinema, Right here in our own San Diego, California's landmark Ken Cinema, Dark Star will be showing between May 22nd and 28th. If you're in Dallas, Texas, starting on the 22nd, you can see it at Texas Theater. Austin, Texas at Alamo Draft House, starting on the 23rd. 
Houston, Texas, starting on the 23rd at Alamo Drafthouse as well. Starting on the 28th, if you're in D.C., Landmark East Street, Vancouver, British Columbia at the Cinematheque, starting on May 28th. Starting May 29th, Denver, Colorado's Landmark, to be determined which one exactly. Columbus, Ohio at Gateway Film Center. Philadelphia, Pennsylvania at Landmark Ritz, starting on the 29th. And Fort Worth, Texas will have a screening at the Fort Worth Museum of Contemporary Art between May 28th and May 31st. Make that a full day of goodness. This documentary, Dark Star, H.R. Giger's World. It's great. Go check it out. (laughs) Where can people follow you on Twitter, Angela? They can follow me at Mecca Angela, like Mecca Godzilla, only it's Mecca Angela. And also, I am frequently writing, still writing Hellraiser reviews and other reviews one day, I promise, at thelosthighway.com. And of course, I am hanging out with horrible imaginings all the time, too. Which we're very, very happy about. Uh, You can find me on Twitter at H-I-F-F-S-D and on Facebook at Horrible Imaginings. And, of course, join the live tweets and all the conversations there. The music for this episode and all episodes at the beginning were composed by Eric Elick Music. So check out ericelickmusic.com for all of that goodness. Until next time, we've got an episode in the works where we're going to discuss Silent Hill 2. I'm so excited. (laughs) Again, in honor of the deactivation, I guess, of Silent Hill's. In protest of the deactivation of Silent Hill. In protest, sadly, we decided to take a look back on what, in my opinion, is a true masterpiece. uh, I'll say of storytelling. I won't even qualify. So many years later. Yes. Coming soon, probably in the next couple of weeks or so, the the episode all about Silent Hill 2. So until then, everybody, stay scared. Yeah. (laughs) Was there another thought there? No.